We are continuing our series, um, our chill out series this summer, um, and we're going to be talking about hope and parenting today. So hope and parenting, that's what we're going to, to jump in and talk about a little bit this morning. So, you know, one of the things that you read um, many times online that you see articles uh, posted about, you know, uh, job satis- you know, being satisfied in your job or being a, a, a better manager or trying to figure out if you have a toxic work environment or a positive work environment. One of the things that you, you many times see in those lists and those articles is uh, a healthy evaluation process. Um, and, I mean, it makes sense if you know in your job that you're doing a good job. Um, and if you know that you, you feel appreciated for doing the job that you do, I mean, that just goes a, really, goes a long way when it comes to how you feel and your attitude towards your job. And on the, even on the reverse side of that, if you know that there are areas in your job that you may need to do better, or if someone has a conversation with you respectfully and just says, hey, maybe next time do it this way, or hey, try this, or hey, you may need to work on this area, um, those conversations sometimes aren't fun, but they're appreciated. Because you know what you need to do in order to do a better job. And when these things are present in the workplace, um, it just it goes a long way. And it, makes you, it gives you a little bit of hope and a little bit of confidence that you can do your job well. And more than likely, it will improve your production at work. So now when it comes to parenting, it's not the most common practice to go through a, an evaluation process when it comes to parenting. You know, many times we can spend 18 plus years just kind of hoping, praying, crossing our fingers that we're doing something right for our kids. So a lot of times we approach it like we just kind of go into the kitchen and we just grab a whole bunch of ingredients, we put it into a pan, we stick it in the oven, and we just kind of hope a delicious cake comes out. But, the, you know, but sometimes um, when, in parenting, that just, sometimes that's just how it goes. We don't have a process that we can go through when it comes to parenting. So, so here's my disclaimer this morning. Um, and a good sermon is never without a good disclaimer, by the way. Um, I by no means am an expert in parenting. Um, there's many of you that could probably get up here and give a lot more solid advice when it comes to parenting um, than me. But one unique perspective uh, that I try to bring to the table this, this morning is for the last 14 years, I've been working in ministry with kids and students and families. And so I just want to just have a conversation about some of these things that I've experienced and observed over the years. Um, and I want to do a couple things this morning. Um, I want us, one, to walk away with a little bit of hope as parents, knowing that some of the common struggles and some of the things that we deal with as parents, we're all in the same boat with a lot of these things. And when you know that you're not the only one, and it just kind of just makes you feel a little bit better. And then two, I just want to encourage us with some truths from Scripture, some advice, and some observations um, that I've picked up along the way. Um, Because I, I do want to challenge us this morning. Because, I mean, right behind our relationship with Jesus, the relationship with our spouse, is, is our relationship with our kids when it comes to the priorities uh, in our life. And so this is a really, really important thing, and I know that you, you know that. So the first area of parenting that I want to talk about is, is how do we find hope in the early years? How do we find hope in the early years? Man, this is right where I'm at in my life. Like, I, this is, I mean, this, I can just, I should just turn around and just tell this sermon to myself for this part. Because in this, era, this age group, I mean, they have a unique, 
unique uh, struggles and unique um, challenges when it comes to raising kids in their early years. And if you have kids the same age as me, you know, elementary and preschool and younger, like we could probably sit and talk for hours. We would probably tell stories. We would probably laugh. We would probably cry. We maybe even just take a nap because we are so tired. That's just, that's just the way it is. And I remember when we had our, our firstborn, um, Emerson, I remember we'd you know, been in the hospital for a couple days, you know, and the nurse comes around and says, all right, well, are you guys ready to, to go home? And of course, I mean, me being confident, I'm just like, of course, yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. This is going to be awesome. I'm ready to get home, ready to get out of here. But in the back of my mind, I just, I had to ask the question and I had to have the thought, did these people know that we know nothing? Like, there's... We're idiots. Like, there's, we don't know anything. I mean, did they realize that it took me 17 minutes to change that last diaper? And then I had to change my own clothes afterwards. Like, are they just going to let us walk out the door with this human? Like, what is wrong with these people? I was like, maybe we, you know, maybe we could stay for a couple more days. Nope. They load us up in the car, and off we went, and we started the journey of parenthood. And one of the first things that I want us to think about with, when dealing with this age group, kids um, in, our, in the early years, is how do we as parents begin to lay the building blocks of faith in our kids' lives? How do we begin to lay the building blocks of faith in our kids' lives? You know, this is an age when we begin to look for ways that we can instill spirit, healthy spiritual habits in the life of our kids. You know, the way, that I like, the way that I like to think about it is that I want things of faith, the things of God, to be a common conversation around our house. I don't want it to be anytime if anyone talks about God or if anyone talks about the Bible, I don't want it to immediately just feel like awkward. Like I want this to be a common talk. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's what we talk about. In the Turner house, and we, faith is what we talk about. You know, God is the one that changes hearts. And our greatest hope as parents is that one day our kids will come to know who Jesus is and what he has done for them. And that they will trust him as their savior. But we can't make that decision for them. You know, scripture uses the analogy of a seed to describe the message of the gospel. And it says that others can plant the seed, but only God can make it grow. What we can do as parents is we can make the ground of our kids' hearts as fertile as possible. So when they hear the message of the gospel, it will be quick to grow. In Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, it says this about teaching God's commands. It says, you should teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Translation, all the time. You know, as parents, we are, we are teaching our kids the basics of life and how to navigate life. I mean, so we need to begin to teach them who God is, the, 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 the Bible, the importance of praying, considering others, all these things. I mean, we are right in the middle of teaching our kids just the basics, simple things in life. How to eat, how to sleep. We're still working on that one in my house. Like how not to touch things that are hot, how not to hit their siblings, how to listen to their mom and dad, how to eat their vegetables, and how, you know, basically just not to be a terrible little monster, right? We're, this, we're right in the middle of teaching our kids these things. And what this, what this passage here in Deuteronomy is saying is that right in the middle of this, the, the, the things of faith, the things of God that should just be part of those everyday life lessons. Not just, hey, well, you know, they'll talk about that at church on Sunday, 
they'll, they'll deal with that. I mean, we'll deal with the stuff at home, but then they'll just they'll get all that stuff about God on church, and they can, they can handle that. That's fine. That, that brings me to the second point, is that parents, we have to realize that the primary source of discipleship should be in the home. The primary source of discipleship for our kids should be in the home. And by discipleship, I mean the active process of teaching our kids to look like Christ every day of their life. You know, some of you maybe think, maybe have a little double take, say, wait, what? I thought it was the church's job to teach my kids about faith. I, I, I thought it was the church's job to disciple my kids. Well, yes and, and no. No, ultimately, it is not my job to disciple your kids. Just like it's not your job to disciple my kids. But yes, it is our job as a church to help you. You know, and you know, for us to equip you, for us as the church to equip you, and for us for you to be better resourced and supported because you're a part of this church family. And we're here to provide opportunities for you to stay relationally connected with your kids and always be lifting you up and, and your family up in prayer. I like to think of it like this. I like to compare like a renovation project at your house to the process of discipling your kids. You know, when you start that process, I mean, there's, there's a lot of hopes and dreams. You're, you're a little scared. You may be a little excited. You know, you've made your plans. You're excited about what the end product might be. But then you just kind of get stuck. Like, how do we get started? When it comes to renovation projects at your house, you've got a couple options. One, you could, you could hire a general contractor. They could come in and they could take care of everything. You know, you may, you may have to make yourself available to answer a few questions, to provide a few design ideas, and, and really ultimately write the checks. But the whole process could be completed without you really having to pick up a hammer or you really rolling up your sleeves. Or you could see what it might take for you to do the process, do the project on your own. Um, you can read some books. One of my favorites, you can go to YouTube and watch lots of videos. It's awesome what you can find out there. It makes me feel like a genius. Um, you, you, know, you can talk to family and friends who may have done a project like this before to get some advice. I mean, you can go down to Home Depot and talk to somebody down there and say, hey, what all, what all do I need to kind of get this job done, to tackle the job? And through the process, you'll make a lot of mistakes and you'll learn a lot of lessons, and there'll be a lot of stress, there'll be a lot of praying, but in the end, you'll get the job done. And in the end, you will learn how to do it yourself, and then you'll be able to turn around and teach someone else how to do it for themselves. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, what I've seen many in, my, in, in years of, of ministry is that the work of training up a child has begun to be outsourced to the church. We've kind of placed the church on the same level of as you know, education, that's the job of the schools, sports, that's the job of coaches, and then faith, that's the job of the churches. We should just let the experts handle it. And I'm not talking about times when we do need people to come in in life, when there's crisis situations and when we have, we have moments in life and seasons in life where we do need outside people to come in and help us with our kids. We, you know, I'm specifically talking about the discipleship of our kids. And just so you know, when it comes to the things of faith, that's not how God designed it. And also, you are the expert of your kids, 
And yes, it is a big job. Yes, there are times when the process is going to be intimidating. But just like that Home Depot, the church, we want to be here to help. And you know that you are not alone. There's hope in understanding you are exactly who God wanted to raise your kids. And I know that because he gave them to you. And God doesn't make mistakes. Have faith and hope that God knows what he's doing through you as the parent. And when you understand that you have been uniquely called and uniquely gifted to disciple your kids, not, not anybody else, not me, not another pastor at this church or another church, but it's you as their parent. That You know that you got this and you know that God can use you and he will give you all the tools and everything that you need to get the job done. But I do want to give you some practical ideas this morning. So, um, you know, and these things are not revolutionary. They're not groundbreaking. I mean, they are, by definition, the, the, the basics of faith and the building blocks of faith. Um, so I, I say these things not to just try to tell you things that you don't know, but just to, to encourage you that these things are what we should be doing and continue not to give up on these things. The first thing is simple prayers. You know, every time I pray at my house, whether at mealtime or bed, we, we always thank God for stuff. I mean, I want my kids to have a heart of thankfulness. And one of the things that I always pray is I always, I always pray that, ask, say, God, thank you for Jesus. And that's simply, that's all I pray is, God, thank you for Jesus. Because I want my kids to understand, even at the age, the early age, the, the young age that they're at, is that Jesus is someone who we are to be thankful for. The reason why we are thankful for him, I, I hope that conversation comes a little bit later. But in the meantime, I want them to know that Jesus is a big deal and we should be thankful for him. You know, and it's a simple prayer. God, thank you for Jesus. I mean, if I prayed something like, Lord, I come to you and I just thank you for the incarnation of the Holy Christ who the fullness of God indwelled, who came to this earth as the propitiation for us upon the cross, who is eternally sitting at the right hand of God as our intercessor, blah, blah, blah. Good luck with a three-year-old with that. They're gonna be, you're going to get hit in the face with a spoon, right? God, like, listen, God doesn't need you to be a Bible scholar. Your kids don't need you to be a Bible scholar. We just need, God just needs you to be faithful. And it's amazing what God can do through faithful people. The next thing is read, read, and read some more of God's word. There are so many great versions of the Bible out there for young kids. The one we use in our house is the Jesus Storybook Bible. I mean, these are just simple Bibles that take the stories of the Bible and they, they make them age appropriate to help our kids fall in love with the stories of Scripture. The next thing is let them see you serve. Kids are smart. And if, you, if you're telling them to love other people, to serve other people, and you're not doing it yourself, it's going to be an uphill battle. Look for areas in which you as a family can serve together. I mean, I remember as a kid that we served at a homeless shelter one year on Thanksgiving. And it, that made a huge impact on me as a kid. So think about that as a family, how you can do that. The next thing is uh, a resource that we provide you as parents is our, our Parent Q app. Um, and this is what it looks like right here. You can download it. It's free for you guys as parents. And what this is, is that you, if you have a kid in our LPK ministry, this goes along with uh, the curriculum that we teach every Sunday. 
And so what this looks like is you can leave here, you can go and pick up your kid, you can get in the car, you can open up this app, and you can watch the videos that your kids just watched. You can see the bottom line that your kids just talked about on Sunday morning. You can see the memory verse that they're working on for the month. It also has tons of conversation starters, questions to ask, things to talk about at mealtime, things to talk about at bedtime. I mean, it's just a huge resource. It takes what we do on a Sunday morning and it just takes it to a whole nother level. It's free. Go download it and it will help you out a ton, I promise. You know, kids at this stage, just knowing that God loves them, that he has a plan for their life, that God's word can be trusted, that God hears our prayers, that they are wonderfully made. I mean, these are truths that are huge for kids at an early age. These are the building blocks. We have to start at the bottom and remember to teach these things. I mean, you may not see the benefit of teaching these things for years, but I promise you, it will be worth it. Never forget that they are only little wants. And just remember, like, we're lucky. Our kids at our age, at this age, they still like us. They want to be around us. You know, I love it to the fact that my kids, they just want to crawl up in my lap and they want to cuddle and they just want to read books. And they want, to get down on the, they want me to get down on the floor with them and just play Legos. And then I get to step on those things like landmines later. Like, and I, just, I just love this age. It's fun. And it, what happens is through the stress of these early years, sometimes we just we kind of want to just like, oh, I kind of wish it away a little bit. Don't miss this very, very awesome season in life. Your kids, your, your kids will only be little once. Just remember that and thank God for that. So the next stage that I want us to talk about is the stage of independence. Finding hope in the years of independence. Because so, there's something that happens generally around the sixth grade, give or take some time. That all of a sudden, parents just aren't that cool anymore. And, and listen, it's not because you stop being cool. Like, let's just be honest. It's just that your kids' minds changed about it. Like, parents, you're always cool. Don't worry about it. Like, but this is what happens at this age, that kids begin to push their parents away. The primary source of influence moves from parents. It moves to the peers. It moves to the world. And listen, like this process is natural. It's normal. You did it. I did it. We all do it. It's something that we all do, but it doesn't make it any easier when we go through it. I mean, this is a stage in life, a stage as a parent that I have not yet lived through. You know, but just like I said, in me, I've spent about a decade working with teenagers specifically and dealing with parents and going through this process. And these are just a few things um, that I've noticed over the years and having those conversations. Because I say this not to, not to make light or not to joke or be funny, but there are so many parents who need hope in this stage of life. Because it is, is the primary source of influence moves from parents the world and Satan is happy to take your place. And they will battle every day for the hearts and minds of your kids. I, for one, am really glad I am not a teenager anymore. And one of the, the simple truths that I want us to remember um, this morning, as a parent, that it is not all about us. It is not all about us not all about us as parents. And I want us just to watch a quick little story real quick, a quick video, um, and then we were going to come back and we're going to chat about this just a little bit more here in just a second. 
extraordinary end to a hard-fought game. But it was this extraordinary moment that has people still cheering in St. Paul and beyond. Pitcher Ty Kane had just struck out the final batter, sending his team to the state tournament. But before rushing to join the celebration, he ran to home plate to console his good friend, Jack Koken. Being that last out, it was really rough. And uh, to have Ty come up to me after the game, that was huge for me, because you know, I need someone who's there for me, and uh, Ty was the guy. Everyone knows how it feels to be in that situation, so I felt like I, I needed to go up to him and say something, and it just was spontaneous and felt like the right thing to do. The two grew up playing ball together. When we were about 13 or 14 years old, we were on a traveling baseball team, and that's where we got pretty close, and we wanted to keep in touch ever since then. They learned how to win and lose, and always put friendship first. 20 years from now, I'll think back to that game. I will not remember the score at all, but I remember what tied it for me, and that's really all that matters. That spontaneous hug was the best play of the game, a home run in sportsmanship. So when I first saw this video, someone posted it on Facebook and I watched it. I was like, man, that's, that's a really cool story. And I, as I, I clicked on the comments to see what people were saying, like, I don't know why I do that sometimes, but I do. Um, so I, it just is like, oh my gosh. Um, so it, I began to read comment after comment on this story, just talking about how, how awesome this kid's parents are. And, and it was comments like, good job, parents, uh, for raising this kid. He was raised right. Mom and dad need a medal for raising a young man like this, and so on and so on. And I, I get what people are saying, but I was like, what, what do we really know about this kid's parents based off this story? I mean, he could be an orphan for all we know. Like, we, we don't know. I mean, he could have amazing, awesome parents, or he could have terrible parents. I, I mean, we don't know that. And what I notice when a lot of stories like this and even is that we like to give a lot of blame and a lot of praise to parents when sometimes it's not necessarily deserved. Maybe this kid is a good kid. Maybe he acted out of an individual conviction in his own life. If he's a believer, maybe the Spirit was working through him individually. And out of his own set of convictions and his own, his own desire, he made it that decision in that moment. Could that be possible? I, mean, I think it is. Or I've seen s- stories on the other side where kids have made really, really stupid mistakes. And many times the first reaction is, where were the parents? Lock the parents up. Blame the parents. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe that kid who made a stupid mistake even though given every possible advantage and raised in an amazing environment, made a stupid decision on their own. So we just want to think about that. We, when you see stories like this or when you hear stories like that, parents, we are quick to judge other parents. And parents, we are quick to judge ourselves. We have to remember And it's not all about us, that God is doing some things even bigger and greater than us. And one of the things that is true in my experience with kids is that good, godly parents can do everything right by the book and still have really bad kids. And then terrible parents who have every problem in the book can have amazing, godly kids. I've met with students over the years who were on fire for God and doing amazing things, whose parents were abusive, were addicts, were completely disconnected from their kids, 
and so on, and even much worse. And on the other hand, I've met with students who were doing everything possible the wrong way. And I was shocked by the amazing, because of the amazing Christian environment that this kid grew up in. And I say all this not to downplay the importance and the influence of parents. Obviously, we just talked about that you are the primary source of discipleship for your kids, and we want you to be active in building those building blocks of faith in your life, in their life. And and if a child grows up in a household that's full of God's word, and parents who are intentionally helping them make their faith their own, where church community is a high value, I mean, all these things, yes, that kid is astronomically more prepared for a life of faith than if those things were absent. But there is no guarantee. There is no silver bullet or 100% assurance. Believe me, if I had the guarantee for the perfect kid, I would have written the book a long time ago. And I'm sorry, but I probably would be on the beach somewhere today after writing that book. Because it would probably guarantee be, it would be a New York Times bestseller. But there's no guarantee. And you're like... Geez, okay, where's the hope in that? Let me tell you, God has a plan for your kids. As important as parents are, they are not more important and more powerful than God's plan and God's individual story for your kids. All you can do as a parent are the things that God has called you to do and be faithful in those things. You know, some of you today may be struggling with kids who are, who are making the wrong decisions in life. Or maybe you have even walked away from the faith. And I know this must be painful and even something that you have lost hope over and lost sleep over. You may even beat yourself up about it. Say, man, if I could just go back and do this or if I could just go back and say that. You may even have felt judgment from other parents and just saying, well, if they have a kid like that, I wonder what kind of parent they are. I'm like, this is a cycle of shame that God does not want you to get stuck in. For you, remember that God is not done. He is always working. He is always moving. He will never give up on your kids, so you don't either. There's no corner too dark for God's light to shine. Never stop praying. Here's the hope in this. God loves your kids even more than you do. God loves and cares for your kid even more than you do. And that is something that you can have hope in. The last area of parenting that I want to talk about this morning is finding hope in the later years. Finding hope in the later years, a.k.a. freedom! Right? <laughs> so finding, fo- finding hope in the later years. So as we jump into the section, I do grab your Bibles. We're going to read a passage uh, real quick. We're going to be in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. It says this, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to, be, happened to me at Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from, the, from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise 
for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, and the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So finding hope in the later years, what we need for you in the later years of parenting is for you to persevere in the faith. We need you to persevere in the faith. You know, this is Paul's words to Timothy, and Timothy was a young man. Many, many probably think in his 20s, early 30s. And what we know from chapter 1 of 2 Timothy is that Timothy contributes his faith to his grandmother and to his mother. And what Paul is saying here is earlier in this passage is that, man, life is going to be tough. You're going to go through things in life that are going to be hard, that you don't know that you can get through them on your own. And when you face these things, to remember to stay true to the things that you learned as a child and from whom you learned them from. So not only remember the things that you learned, but remember who you learned them from. I mean, I still lean on wisdom from my parents that they taught me 20, 25 plus years ago. One of the greatest testimonies to our kids is the continued steadfastness in the faith of those that come before us. That we see our parents and grandparents, even though all the things that you've gone through in life and struggled with, they still have a solid faith. That's something that is not lost on us, no matter how old your kids are. And you maybe have moved into a stage of parenting where your kids are out of the house, they're married, they maybe even have kids of their own. And grandparents, if you think that your job is done, it's not. And those grandbabies need you more than just to spoil them. They need you to teach them. They need your wisdom. They need to see your faith that is steadfast, that is true. And that's the last thing that I want us to think about in, in, in parenting in the later years is that we need you to mentor those that come after you. If you are a parent here, like I said, you have kids who are out of the house and they're married and have kids of their own, maybe it's time for you to think about how you may could reinvest how you make it come alongside a couple who just had their first kid or, or go through, um, walk with a couple through those, those hard times of ad- season of adolescence. Like, how could you come alongside them, encourage them, and, and pray for them and, and just share the wisdom that life has taught you over the years? Because this is desperately something that is needed. It may be time for you to think about in this game of parenting what it would look like for you to get off the bench and to get back in the game and to help shoulder the burden of raising kids. You know what would be awesome is if LifePoint could be known as a church where young families could come and feel completely supported, completely loved. And this could happen, and it it is happening in many areas and many ministries of this church. Because one of the greatest resources that we have is, that, is Christians who have been following Christ for 30, 40, 50 plus years. You realize that just by the life that you've lived and the experiences that God has walked you through all those years, that you are a treasure to the body of Christ. Now it's time to think about how you use those skills, how you use those things that God has taught you to benefit those who come after you. Parents, let us have hope in Christ. May we never seek to do this alone. But remember that God is here, is with you. And remember this church is here to help you. In Matthew 19, 13 through 15, this is Jesus saying, Then children were brought to him, 
that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Remember, God himself knows, loves, and cares for your kids. Jesus himself said, Let them come to me. My hope as as a parent is I do whatever I can to not only let my kids come to Jesus, but run to him. That I as a parent do nothing that would hinder them. And may I always remember to thank God for the amazing privilege it is to be their parent. So remember that and have hope in that this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this. God, we thank you What the amazing privilege it is to be a parent. And God, help us to to remember who you are and what you've done for us. And God, thank you that you are our heavenly father. You call yourself that for a reason. And God, some of them in this room, they may not even be parents yet. God, like help them through this time to be thankful for their parents, help them to remember their parents and be thankful for them and the things that they taught them. And God, I pray that we walk out of here and we remember, God, that they, our kids are a gift from you. They are not ours, but God, you have allowed us for them to live in their, our homes and God, for us to, to raise them and to teach them and to show them, God, how awesome and mighty you are. God, I pray that we would do everything that we can as parents to allow our kids to come to you and allow our kids to run to you. And God, I pray that we walk out of here this morning with hope and understanding that though this is a big job, God, it's a job that you've equipped us for. It's a a job that you have given us. And God, you will give us everything that we need. And God, we love you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.